Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to talk about how we deal with feelings of guilt and all the junk that we have in our past. Satan just loves to beat us up. And so today I've titled it Guilty No More. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we will get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and love you, Father. Thank you for the day. Thank you for this time and opportunity that we have. Lord, may your words encourage each and every one of us. And may we be reminded that Satan has no power over us. Father, we thank you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I am your host, John Westfall, and today we're going to talk about past feelings, past guilt, and how they dominate our lives. And you know, the reality is they don't have to. We need to grab hold of the promises of God are real. And not only are they real, but they're applicable to us, each and every one of us, if we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And of course, that's what it all comes down to. That's where our strength comes from, our salvation. Everything we have, everything that we own, everything that we do should revolve around Christ. So today we're going to talk about guilty no more. I was speaking with a young lady the other day and she was really struggling with her past and the poor choices that she's made. And and let's be honest, everyone has made poor choices. Every one of us are sinners. There's not one of us that is without sin. There's not one of us that doesn't have an issue. And there is not one of us that does not have a past or something in our past that we would like to forget about. Romans 3.23 clearly tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all means all, and that's all all means. So that's inclusive, every one of us. Romans 5.12 confirms it. Therefore, just as through one man, that's Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, Because all have sinned, all of us, not one of us. And guilt can destroy a person. I'm I'm often, sometimes I'm amazed that people will give Satan that much power over their life. And they'll say, well, I know God forgives me, but I just can't forgive myself. Well, Well, there's an issue. There's a problem because that means that we are putting our forgiveness above God's forgiveness. That means that our opinion means more than what God's opinion means. That, well, truth is, we hold more stock in us than what we do God. So today I thought, hey, let's do a podcast on how do we deal with this. And one of the things that I've realized is guilty feelings drive us to seek forgiveness. It really does. We, we need forgiven. We want forgiven. And if we're not forgiven, we have a tendency to allow that uh, destruction of guilt to dominate our life and ultimately to stop us or to hinder us from doing all that God wants us to do and from having the joy that God has given us. And so the moment a person turns from their sin to Jesus Christ in faith, his sin is forgiven. Repentance always leads to salvation. Repentance always leads to salvation. Matthew 3, 2 says this. Repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We see in Matthew 4:17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in Acts 3:19, repent. Repent, therefore, and be converted. That means giving yourself over to Jesus Christ, to be converted from self to Christianity, to be converted from a child of Satan to a child of God. And we realize in John chapter 8 that uh, we have two fathers. Satan is our father until repentance, salvation, being born again. And then God becomes our father. And then all of this that I'm about to share with you is ours to hold. And Satan no longer has power over you. He's no longer your authority. God is. So in Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent and be converted, become a child of God so that your sins are blotted out, never to be remembered again. And then it says, so that times of refreshing. And you know, the truth is guilt just wears us down. But God says, man, I will refresh your soul. And I think people are desperate for a refreshing of the soul today. You know, in Christ, even the most heinous sins are blotted out. And most people, they will say, I've been too bad. God can't forgive me. And that's not true. One of the greatest promises we find in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And it says this, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous are those who refuse to surrender to Christ and make Christ their God, Christ their Savior. It says, Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's, that's a pretty crazy list, right? And when we look at it, we think, oh, my goodness, you know, uh, I've done a lot of that, or that involves me, or uh, even maybe you're not that bad, but it's still sin. And all sin, all sin is what separates us from God. Verse 11 goes on, though, with an amazing promise and a reality that we need to grasp. Verse 11 goes, you know, 10, 9, 10, all that list, all those heinous sins, right? What we would go, oh, I would never do that. Or maybe you go, wow, I've done that. I know some of that that was, uh, that I just read, I'm guilty of. And then verse 11 says this, and such were some of you, but man, I'm telling you, I love the buts in the Bible, B-U-T, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. What an amazing thing. It's like, yeah, you know what? You were guilty of this. Yeah, you did this. But the minute you give your life to Christ, you're washed. And all that's blotted out. All of that is forgiven through Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. 
and by the Spirit of our God, the Holy Spirit of our God. What promises? Guys, listen, you don't have to hold on to this guilt and shame and, and all the junk from the past. You were washed. It's gone. It's clean. And the amazing thing is salvation is by grace, and grace forgives. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For by grace, and so this very grace that God saves us with is the same grace that he forgives us with. Man, grab hold of that, right? That's, that's what salvation in Christ brings is this freedom, not freedom to sin, but freedom from our sin. After a person is saved, if he sins, God still promises forgiveness. John 2, 1. My little children. Now he's talking to Christians here. John is the same author of the Gospel of John, and this is 1 John and then 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. The same guy wrote all three. But he says here, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If anyone sins or if anyone does sin again after salvation, we have an advocate with the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. Guys, these promises go on and on and on. And so the whole point of this podcast is that you don't live in this sin, you don't live in this shame, and you don't allow it to have power over your life. Freedom from sin, now I will tell you this, it doesn't always mean that we're freedom from the guilty feelings or that we have freedom from the guilty feelings. Because one of the things about sin is it's a tool that Satan likes to use. And so uh, even when we have sin or when we do sin and we have this past, we remember that it, it doesn't go away. It just means it doesn't have power over us. It doesn't have power over you. If you are a child of God, it no longer has authority in us. It no longer has power to drag us down except for the power that we give it. That's the only power it has. And Christ says, listen, I'm, I'm delivering you from that. One of the problems, though, is our spiritual enemy. Oh, Satan, the devil, the accuser. Revelation 12.10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, that's Satan, the accuser, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. See, we have an accuser. We have this one that goes to God and points his finger and says, hey, look at John, man. He's a sinner and look what he did. Or, hey, look at so-and-so and look at so-and-so. And God's like, get out of my face. Those are my children. They've already come to me. They've already repented of that. It's been washed under the blood. Get out of my face. He was cast down. But that doesn't stop him from relentlessly reminding us of our failures and our faults and our sins and the junk and the shame. But he doesn't have the power. He doesn't have anything but what we give him. I think sometimes we give Satan far too much credit, right? And 
Meaning that sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, you know, Satan made me do it or the devil made me do it. No, he doesn't have that kind of power anymore. He doesn't have that leverage on us. He, he only has, again, what we give him. He can only do in our life what we allow him to do when it comes to shaming us or making us feel guilty or making us feel bad or defeated. He only takes what we give. So let me encourage you. Stop giving. I mean, you know, grab a hold of this and just Satan, get behind me. You are not the one I have to answer to. And the one that I have to answer to, I've already went before. I've confessed my sins and he is faithful and just and forgives me of all my sins. Put Satan in a corner and leave him there. Throw him in prison and lock it up. When a Christian experiences feelings of guilt, they have a tendency to surrender to it. But the truth is when Christians experience feelings of guilt, he or she needs to do these things that I'm about to give you. There's six of them. And well, there's seven or eight, but I'm going to, I'm going to list six and then give you a bonus to hold on to. So the first thing that we need to do that we see in scripture is confess all known sin. We have to confess it before Christ. And when we do, there will be a release. There will be a relief. There will be a sigh of, I can breathe again. In Psalm 32, three through five, David writes this Psalm. And uh, when David writes it, and obviously David knows about sin and allowing it to dominate his life. We've, we've seen it over and over through the scriptures. But he writes this, verse three, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. When I kept silent, it became acidic to my soul. Don't keep silent. Confess it before the Lord. Verse four, he goes on, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. And so this is the psalmist speaking. And when he says, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me, that's God's hand. Why? Because he wanted, God wanted David to give it to him, to just lay it at the feet and let it go. Verse five says this. David says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. My sins, I haven't hidden all the wrong that I've ever done. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you, Lord, forgave the iniquity of my sin. God, you pressed me until I came to you. And when I came to you, you took all of my sin and then you forgave me and my soul was refreshed. See, God isn't looking to beat us down and constantly point the finger and remind us of our shame and our guilt. God says, listen, that shame and that guilt is what's keeping you from me. I want to take it because if I take it and it is no longer shaming you and keeping you away from me, 
then you'll come to me. And he says, David says, I, I took it to the Lord and the Lord forgave my sins. Number two, ask the Lord to reveal all sins that you have not confessed, all unconfessed sin. And then you got to have this. You have to have the courage to be completely open and honest with God. He already knows. He already understands. That's why he sent Jesus to die for us because of our sin. As a matter of fact, if we read in the book of Revelation, it says that all of our sin is listed, all of it written down in books and we'll be held guilty of them until, until we receive Christ as our Savior and repent and it's washed white as snow. Look here in Psalm 139, 23 and 4. David says this, and I'm telling you, David, again, he knows and he understands, and he had the courage to take it before the Lord. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You got sin, shame, guilt, anxiety. Be like David. And just say, Lord, search me. And then confess it when God brings it to your remembrance. Confess it. Lord, forgive me of that. And God says, done, forgiven. Number three, seek to make restitution where it is possible. Because this, I think, is one of the biggest problems that Christians have or that we as people have is like, yeah, but look what I did. Okay. If, if you can make restitution on what you did, go back and fix it. And sometimes it's just going back to the person and asking, saying, will you forgive me? Forgive me for the wrong that I've done. And sometimes it could be you took from someone, return it. Whatever it is, seek restitution. Look here in uh, Luke 19, eight Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus is a tax collector. He ultimately, he's a thief. I mean, he's stealing from people. He's taking their money. He is just dominating them. He's a bully. That's what tax collectors were back then. They were just bullies. And then he meets Jesus. He has dinner with Jesus and his faith in Jesus made him whole and it changed everything about him. And so Zacchaeus here in in Luke 19, 8, it says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, He stood up. He is taking ownership of this. He stands up and he looks at Jesus. And he says, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. See, Zacchaeus was a new man, a new man in Christ realized what he had done, that he was a thief. And he's like, I'll restore that. I'll give back what I can. I'll fix what I can. And I'll take, I'll take care of my wrong. And I think in the third thing here, seeking to make restitution, there's times where you can't do that. 
And that's where Satan seems to get victory, right? We can't fix our wrongs to make us feel better about ourselves. So what we have to do is just accept the fact that we've been forgiven by God. And then we move on. And then when Satan comes along and he's like, yeah, but look at this and look at this. And and there's nothing you can do to fix it. You got to tell Satan, get behind me, get behind me. And then we move on. Number four. So the first three to go back is number one, confess all your sin. Number two, ask the Lord to reveal to you any unconfessed sin and then have the courage to ask for forgiveness of it. And then number three, to make restitution where you can. Listen, I've done things in my past. There's no way in the world I can go back and fix that. There's no, it is not possible to make restitution. So I give it to the Lord and the Lord forgives me of it. And then I got to move on with life. I cannot allow that to be a weight tied to my ankles that I either drag around or allow it to drown me. Make restitution where you can and move on where you can't. That brings us to number four. Trust the promise of God. Trust the promise of God. I wonder if we can't move on with the forgiveness of God alone because we don't trust him. You know, like we say we love God, but do we trust him? Do we really believe that he's forgiven us of it? Because I think if we really believed, then we would let it go. Knowing we can't do anything about it, knowing there's no restitution that we can make, there's not, nothing we can do to change the past. And God says, I've forgiven you. And so we have one of two choices at this point. We can either believe God and trust him that we are forgiven, or we can continue to allow the shame and the guilt of our past sins to drag us down and drown us. It's one or the other. There is no in-between on this one. Trust the promises of God. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse us, to make us clean as if we were never dirty, as if it never existed. If we confess, he is faithful. Do you believe that? Do you trust God? Look here in Psalm 85, 2. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. All their sin. All means all, and that's all all means. That means there's nothing left that's unforgiven. Nothing left that's not covered. If we confess, he covers and forgives. Look here in Psalm 86, 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. You, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. Ready. That means he is waiting He is waiting on us to come before him and ask for that forgiveness. 
And then he extends it in abundance. All that we can ask or think or do or imagine, he is ready and willing to forgive. We have to trust him. We have to call upon him. That's what the second half of verse 5 says. And abundant in mercy to forgive all those who call upon you. Guys, what, 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 a, what a promise that our God in heaven extends to us. Please don't keep carrying this around. Trust. Trust and obey, right? I mean, we've heard that song, trust and obey. I can't sing. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. But trust God, obey God, and then give it to him. He is ready to forgive and abundant in mercy. Give it to him. Number five, when guilty feelings arise over sins you have already confessed, you must, we must reject those feelings. We must reject those feelings of false guilt. We're no longer guilty. We are no longer guilty of confessed sin. Now, that doesn't mean that if you continue to live in it, that you've actually confessed it. Because repentance means we confess it and we walk away. That's, that's what repentance means. But I'm talking about past sins and past guilt. That which you can no longer change and you no longer have control over. That, that is what I'm talking about. When you feel guilty and those feelings come because, man, feelings can dominate us and they're not to be our master. We are not to allow feelings to have authority over our life because what we do know about feelings is they will create crazy in our life. They really will, especially feelings that are ungodly or feelings of the past, feelings that, again, that we have no control over. We need to make them subject to us. We do not become subject to them. Psalm 103, 8 through 12. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Then he goes on in 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. When those guilty feelings come upon you for things you have no control over, for things that are in the past that you can't go back and reconcile, you can't fix, you can't do anything with, but you've already asked for forgiveness of those. When the feelings of guilt arise, that is your enemy, the accuser, Satan, trying to make you feel bad so that he can exhaust your life from you. Take the very breath out of your sails so that it leaves you sitting and defeated. And God says, 
As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Do not allow feelings to dictate your moods. They cannot do that. If you allow that, you will always be defeated and you will always give Satan that hook to keep hold of you and to keep dragging you down. Don't let him have that. You have to let go. I'm reminded of water skiing. If you've ever went water skiing or kneeboarding, I used to have a boat and we would go out and I had a friend of mine who was fairly new at it and he wanted to try the kneeboard and, or I mean, he wanted to try skis. He was decent on the kneeboard, but he wanted to try the skis and he fell, but he didn't let go of the rope. He was holding onto the rope. And the problem is when he fell off the skis and he held onto the rope, it just keeps dragging you to the bottom. I mean, it literally, it won't drag you across the top. It will drag you under and it will drown you. And it wasn't until he let go of the rope and he was able to come to the surface that he could start breathing again and have life. He was looking at death as long as he held on, as long as he held onto that rope, let go of the rope, guilt, shame, all of that from confess sins. That's you holding onto the rope. And Satan wants you to hold on to the rope and you're not going to have life until you let go. And as soon as you let go and the most amazing thing happens, you immediately come to the surface and start breathing life again. Let go of the rope. Do not follow those feelings. Number six, rebuke Satan. Tell him to get behind you. He's your accuser. And he's accusing you of the only ammunition that he has, and that's what you give him. If you allow him to shoot you, he's shooting you with your own gun. He is stabbing you with your own knife. I mean, literally, he is only using what you have given him to use against you. Rebuke him. Do not give him that authority or that power. And then you ask the Lord to restore your joy. Put Satan behind you and seek God's face. And in Psalm 51, 12, and this is a beautiful passage, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore to me the joy of of your salvation, that which you have given to me, that I have become a child of yours. Restore that joy. Do not allow Satan to have power. Rebuke him, seek God's face, and God will restore the joy that you're seeking to go on and have a successful life. So let me give you those six things again. Number one, confess your sin. Number two, Ask the Lord to reveal any unconfessed sin so that you can confess that as well and then have the courage to confess it before him. Number three, seek to make restitution. Whatever you can do, do it. But if there's nothing you can do, let it go. Number four, trust God. Trust his promise that he says, I forgive you. You're forgiven. Is no longer held guilty. Trust God. God. Number five, when guilty feelings arise over confessed sin, let it 
go. Reject those feelings. They are not of God. And then number six, rebuke Satan. Get behind me, you dirtbag. Get behind me. Reject Satan. Rebuke him. Do not give him that authority. And then we get to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, I'm going to tell you, is a beautiful example. And I'm going to quickly cover Psalm 32. It says here, it's a Psalm of David again. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there's no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Verse five, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity. I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with the songs of deliverance. Verse eight, this is... God's response to David's prayer or to him crying out, verse 8, God picks up. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And that's the key, right? That your heart's right with God, and now you rejoice. David sinned terribly, but he dealt with the cause of guilt and the reality of forgiveness. And then he was able to live a successful, joyful life that Satan had no power over. You also read Psalm 51, where David pleads with God from a heart full of guilt and sorrow. And then restoration and joy are the results after pleading with God. Guys, I want you to know. That if sin has been confessed and repented of and forgiven, it's time to move on. It's time to let it go. And remember this verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. Part of the old, which has gone, is the remembrance of past sins and guilt that they produced it's gone part of the old means it's gone let it go hey guys i hope this has helped and if it has please like share subscribe and follow and until next week god bless